0: This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by KPG, manufacturers of the $30 cell phone jammer for all the low-life, sketchy shit you need. KPG I'm gonna be all
1: with the steam in Chicago's and wow lows, come at the ground life making a sand. The smell of death is on the, and not
2: when the cold wind
0: blows, no one cares, Hello, my name is Chris.
2: My name is Kelsey.
0: And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. This week, it's Murder Plots Gone Wrong, with 1954's Dial M for Murder and 2011's You're next. But before we get to the movies, Kelsey, how do we start the show?
2: Horror trivia.
0: Give me what you got.
2: What 2013 Guillermo del Toro film Mm -hmm. features a young couple who take in their two feral nieces and a supernatural spirit? Mama. 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 Mama.
0: I like that one more than you did.
2: I like it, I just don't like the ending.
0: Yeah. Hmm, interesting. You like it, but you don't like the ending. That's... Might come up a little bit later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kelsey. In Dilemma for Murder, Ray Melande, Tony Wendis is the character's name, plays the husband of Grace Kelly, or Margot Wendis. What sport did he play when he married her?
2: Oh, tennis.
0: Yeah. I had
2: to think about it for a minute. <laughs>
0: he played tennis, but that kept him away from her too much, and she complained about it and he kept playing and then she had an affair.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's such an asshole. <laughs> he totally is. Like, there's nothing about him that makes you feel sorry for him whatsoever. No, he, not
0: at all. And he that's okay.
2: doesn't even care about his wife. Like, she's even like, oh, he's become so great ever since he found out about it, you know. And it's just like, I, I can't have an affair anymore. I'm in love with my husband again. Uh-huh. But it's all a ruse. He never loved her. He just wanted her money.
0: Yep. We'll get into it in our first movie, 1954's Dial M for Murder, written by Frederick Knott, as adapted from his own stage play, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, not our first Hitchcock movie, starring Ray Milland, Grace Kelly, Robert Cummings, John Williams, and Anthony Dawson. We saw Milland as Jason Crockett, the patriarch in Frogs, when we watched that movie. Yes. And we mentioned at the time as well... Kelsey knows him most from Escape to Witch Mountain. That's
2: right. <laughs> That's right.
0: He plays a bunch of jackasses. Yeah, this he's guy. always evil.
2: <laughs> he's always a bad guy. <laughs> and it's always about money, too. I think it's his voice.
0: Maybe that is. What... Is Dial M for Murder about?
2: This dude wants out of his marriage, but he doesn't want to divorce her because then he'll be penniless. So he's going to have her murdered. But uh, things don't. Uh, best laid plans. Best laid plans.
0: Aft gang glay. Whatever. <laughs> best laid plans of mice and men. The movie is available with ads on Tubi and Popcorn Flick via subscription on Canopy or Indie Flicks. You can rent it for $4 on the usual suspects and buy it for $13 on these same services, but the cheapest I've seen is on Amazon with a $2 rental and $7 purchase. Should people watch Dilem for murder? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. But we should also say this is 100% not a horror movie. It is a thriller that involves murder. Yes. And there are tense, tense scenes. Uh, even those involving fear. So, like, it kind of teeters on the edge of horror, but it's really not.
2: It's too much of a play to really be horror.
0: Oh, it's very much a play. <laughs> I mean, the whole movie almost entirely takes place in the living room of a single apartment.
2: Well, when you think about it, it's it's basically wait until dark.
0: In a way, I mean, they're structured way different.
2: But it's very, very similar in that it's a home invasion and sure. things go don't go to, according to plan.
0: Yes. Yeah, but she's, like, always under threat of murder in in that movie. In this movie, there's a scene where she is under threat of murder, and then the rest is, like, a mystery that we already know the answer to. And it plays out really interestingly. Like, it was... Fascinating. I mean, of course, right? Like, it's a Hitchcock movie. Most of those are really good. It's
2: so well shot and well paced. It
0: is, but I don't think it's as, like, it's not as creative. I feel like almost like this is, like, baseline Hitchcock. You know what I mean? Like, it's not...
2: I guess, but I couldn't look away.
0: Yes, but I think a lot of that has to do with less with the directing and more with the script and with the acting. I thought everyone did a great job here, but I didn't see much of actually, like impressive Hitchcock stuff. You know what I mean? I guess. There was a time, I don't remember if I mentioned it on the show when we watched, uh, say, Birds or Psycho, but there was a time when I was going to spend a year and watch a Hitchcock movie every single week, and I never did it. I started it with his black and white silent films, and I got a little bit of ways into it, but then availability became an issue, and it was a whole thing. So there are a lot of Hitchcock movies that I actually haven't seen. This was one of them. So I'm glad to say I've seen it, and it is very, very good, but it doesn't stand out as, like, particularly Hitchcockian, I guess.
2: I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. Very much. I mean, yeah, no, it's very, very good. And even though it isn't really a horror movie, if you haven't seen it, you definitely, definitely should. You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 1954's Dial M for Murder. Up next, the first of Hitchcock's
1: three pictures with Grace Kelly. From Warner Brothers in 1954, Dial M for Murder. Based on a play by Frederick Knott, who also wrote the screenplay, Kelly plays the wealthy wife
0: of a former tennis pro, played by Ray Milland. Worried his wife is going to leave him and desperate
1: to secure her inheritance, he figures out a way to prevent the former and guarantee the latter without implicating himself. From 1954, also with Robert Cummings and British actor John Williams reprising the stage role, which won him a Tony Award, Dial M for Murder.
0: Alright, Kelsey, get us started. How does Dial M for Murder begin?
2: We are introduced to our main characters. What is her name? It's played by Grace Kelly.
0: Margot.
2: Margot. And she is married to Tony. Tony. Who, as we said, is the bad guy from Escape to Witch Mountain. Yes. And she is having an affair with.
0: Mark Halliday. Mark. Yeah.
2: So we got Tony, Mark, and... Margo. Margo. Basically, guys, Margo was having a relationship with Mark for a while because her husband was a dick.
0: This was a trivia question I was going to ask you. What is Mark's profession?
2: He is a uh, mystery novel writer.
0: No. He writes mysteries, but for television. He's a television writer for his sins, he says.
1: (laughs) You write for the radio, don't you? No television for my sins.
2: Well, I knew that he writes mysteries (laughs) because that comes up later.
0: Oh, yeah. And a line he has is going to be basically the thesis of the entire movie. (laughs) But go ahead.
2: Margot has invited Mark to come and stay with them. Or see them. Yeah,
0: he's going to be in London where they live, and they're going to hang out together, the three of them.
2: And the truth is is that she wants to talk to him because she's scared, because she has received some blackmail, explaining that they know about her affair, uh, and if she doesn't pay this weird amount for 50 pounds, yeah. Yeah, but like all in ones... Or something like that.
0: Yeah, first in fives, and then change the fives for ones, and yeah. uh
2: And she has to do all this weird stuff, and and then she got, like, weird notes.
0: Yeah, with those instructions.
2: And so she's, I, I think she's scared. I forget why something happened.
0: So prior to this scene, she had acquiesced. She did everything the note said, and the package was not left the place that it was supposed to be left. Uh, even though she left the money there and she doesn't know what's going on and she's worried that her husband's going to find out. And Mark's always like, just tell him. Let's run off together. Tell him. End this relationship.
2: Yes, he is fully invested in this relationship. He is in love with her, wants to do right by her. Uh-huh. Whatever that takes.
0: And she's like, no, I can't. <sighs> <laughs>
2: Right. We don't really ever get... I think it's that she feels like she's done something wrong, and yes. now that he's become a good guy again, I should stay with Mark. Yeah, husband. she tries to end it yes. with Mark. Tony is supposed to go out on the town with them. They're supposed to go to dinner and see a show and have some drinks, but he says that he has to work or something, yeah. so he cannot go out. Oh, because he he has quit tennis... Which was the problem with their relationship. Uh And apparently because he quit Dennis, he became obsessed with his wife and found out that she was having the affair.
0: Yeah. And so So,
2: so he's the one who did the blackmailing.
0: Yeah. What happened is her purse got stolen and a letter that she kept from Mark or from her to Mark or something like that, that she always kept, she cherished it. And so she kept it in her wallet and refused to burn it, even though she had burned all the rest. Uh, He got curious about what the letter was, so he stole her purse.
2: You know the one. We never find out what's in this letter, uh but it's something special.
0: And that's how he confirmed it. Uh, And he confirmed it further by attempting to blackmail her. And if she tried to pay the blackmail instead of just coming clean, he wanted her to come clean. And then everything would have just been fine, I think. Uh, It was his idea, but she didn't. She fulfilled the blackmail. And so he's like, well, fuck it. I mean, what do I do now?
2: So, he goes to a bar, and in the bar, he sees a man that he has not seen in a long time.
0: Well, he claims to have not seen in a long time. We find out that he'd been following him for weeks.
2: I thought he ended up following him because he saw him in that bar. Oh, maybe. Yeah, so he sees a man he has not seen in a long time.
0: Swan from college...
2: And he becomes obsessed with him because he found out that he was like discharged badly from the Yeah, government he had a dishonorable
0: thing? discharge from the, military. from the military, and he had been in prison too, I think, at some point. I don't remember the specifics of that story. But he's a he's a bad dude who
2: So he started following him and he learns of many transgressions, including, but not limited to Thefts, embezzlement, and murder.
0: I mean, effectively, he's like a gigolo, and he tries to con old women, or even only slightly older women, uh, out of all of their money. Yes. And there's a long stretch to this, and so while Mark and Margot are out on the town, he calls up this guy, Swan, Under the pretense that he wants to buy his car.
2: Which will be, a, won't that be one of the things that's his downfall?
0: Well, because the car isn't his. It's actually one of his girlfriends or whatever, and he claims, oh, she wanted me to get rid of it. Yeah, uh uh-huh, I called her for $800. You're trying to sell it for $1,100 and make a profit off of it. And so... Tony is going to confront Swan about all of this and and tell him his whole like he just goes on and on and on about the history of his relationship with his wife and his decision that he's going to murder her and you're going to do it, and here's why. And I'm blackmailing you.
2: <laughs> fascinating. It's enthralling. Like it you is. can't look away.
0: It is okay. So his his consistent clear. And rapid speech, it either wraps you up in it and you get just carried away by this whole entire monologue that he does, which you can only imagine being performed on stage. It puts you on edge. Either because you get wrapped up in it and you feel tense or because you recognize that you're you're getting wrapped up in it. And that puts you sort of like... On the defensive, like it's mildly threatening the way he's speaking, like he's a hustler or something like that, and he's playing some kind of cash con on you, uh, and he's going to figure out a way to give you $10 and get back 20 Uh, and so you're like trying to pay attention to every single word, so it's, it's very overwhelming and enthralling and threatening, like all at the same time, it's just masterfully done. Yes. At one point during this conversation, Tony will show... Swan a picture of the two of them At a reunion And Hitchcock is in the picture frame (laughs) After this All of his cameos were On screen And not easter eggs like this
2: But so he explains In great detail How he is going to kill his wife And how easy it will be And how quick it will be And You won't ever have to deal with me again And you'll have money Won't that be nice Yeah and he just—he talks about it as if it's going to go absolutely perfectly, but it's like he is not accounted for anything going wrong.
0: No. It all has to go perfectly, but the way he's worked it out, in his mind, there's no way it can go wrong.
1: One thousand pounds in cash. For murder. For a few minutes' work, that's all it is. No risk, I guarantee.
0: But things kind of start going wrong right from the beginning.
2: The next night... Because he's planned all of this and gotten the guy to get on board the day before.
0: Uh Uh-huh. It's got to be
1: tomorrow. When would this take place? Tomorrow night. Tomorrow? Not a chance. I've got to think this over. It has to be tomorrow. I've arranged things that way.
2: The next night, Tony is going to take Mark out on the town.
1: Tomorrow evening, Halliday, that's the American boyfriend, and I will go out to a stag party. She'll stay here.
2: They're talking. And he says, "How do you go about writing a novel?" And he's telling him, "Blah blah 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 blah." And somebody asks, "Do you think you could write the perfect murder?" And he goes, "Absolutely, I could on paper."
0: Yeah, he he says, like his mindset is he doesn't think about a mystery for the detective to solve.
1: How do you go about writing a detective story? Well, you forget detection and concentrate on crime. Crime's the thing. <laughs> And then you imagine you're going to steal something or murder somebody. Oh, is that how you did it? It's interesting. Yes, I usually put myself in the criminal's shoes, and then I keep asking myself, uh, what do I do next?
2: <laughs> do you really believe in the perfect murder?
1: Mm. Yes, absolutely. On paper, that is. And I think I could uh, plan one better than most people, but I doubt if I could carry it out. Oh? Why not? Well, because in stories, things usually turn out the way the author wants them to, and in real life, they don't. Always. And that's like The thesis.
0: For this movie
2: mm-hmm. So yes Immediately the plan starts to go south Because while uh, As they're getting ready to go out The wife says I'm gonna go and see a movie Which is immediately not part of the plan Uh huh He goes through this entire long thing to get her to change your mind,
0: guilt her, and yeah. Oh, you need to do this thing, and yeah.
2: Very, very upsetting and irritating, and she gives into it, and it's very Uh upsetting. Like you just want her to be strong, but she's not.
0: She's probably thinking, "I did wrong. I owe my husband." She tries to be her own person, but she's like,
2: "On tells him, you're being very childish right now."
0: Yeah. And he doesn't back down, and then she ends up backing down first to sort of like a, hey, listen, i the reason I'm acting the way I'm acting is because I want to repair this relationship, so.
2: Then something goes wrong with getting the key out of her purse, and he almost doesn't get it into the spot where he says the key will be. Uh-huh,
0: which is under the carpet on the fifth step of the stairway right out in front of their door.
2: But? It all goes, that finally gets in place. Everything's going according to plan uh-huh. now.
0: And so what's going to happen is he's going to call his wife at 11 o'clock, wake her up out of bed, and the man is already going to be inside because he will have let himself in with that key. He's going to hide behind the curtains And when she goes to answer the phone, he's going to kill her. And then he has to make it look like a botched burglary. And then he has to go out through the window. They call it the window, but it's one of those, you know, windowed doors out to the garden. And make it seem like that's the way you got in and out. And that this was a foiled burglary. And she died in the process and you ran. So you need to put a uh, trunk down and start tossing stuff in. But don't take it with you. And just to make it look like you bolted as soon as she died. That's the plan, but what's the next thing that gets in his way?
2: Well, he almost doesn't make the phone call. Yep, because his
0: watch dies.
2: Well, his watch stops working, which is why he ends up asking the people what time it is. So later, when he's asked by the police, what time did you make the phone call? He doesn't seem to remember, but Mark certainly does, because he specifically asks him for the time, Uh which makes him look suspicious, at the same time, he almost doesn't make the call because the dude is just telling a story and not shutting up. <laughs> and he just cannot get up and, and, like, make the phone call. He ends up doing it. He's a little bit late, but luckily for him, or not so luckily, she answers it right in time.
0: Yes. And one thing that he didn't account for is in order to get her to stay home, one of the things she needed to do was, like, take care of his clippings. And so she had her scissors, which she normally keeps in her... Uh, like sewing bag or whatever, on the desk where the phone is. And this is going to be the downfall of absolutely everything, because... Because
2: the, that was how he got her to stay.
0: Yeah, exactly. And now it's the reason that she's not going to die.
2: Yes. So she's on the phone. He grabs her. And it's the shot that's the on most of the posters... Uh-huh.
0: He's got like the stocking pulled tight in his hands, and he's behind her.
2: And she reaches back. No, he's not behind her. He's in front of her because she reaches back behind her. Oh, and yeah. Grabs a- after the, they the tussle and everything
0: like that, and, yeah, and he's on top of her. She grabs the scissors and stabs him in the back. He goes, Argh! and then he he stumbles off the the desk and then falls down on his back, driving the scissors even deeper. And that was a pretty neat effect for back then. I thought that was pretty clearly communicated and looked great.
2: Yes. Agreed.
0: But it's the only violence in the entire movie. And she's dying and getting on the phone to the person who had called, being like, call the police, call the police. And he's been listening to this whole thing. And he's like, shit, it just went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and he identifies himself.
2: Yeah. Margo, she,
0: honey, are you okay? She
2: is so excited to talk to him. And he tells her, don't do anything. Yeah,
0: don't touch anything. Don't call anyone. I'll be right there.
2: And when he leaves, he just says that she's not feeling well. He does not tell her lover the truth
0: story. And when he gets home, he tells her as much. It's interesting to see, like, the lies that people tell and who they're open about that lie to and why and whether that supports the lie even more that way. It's very, very interesting the way all these things are, like, intertwined. Because he gets home and he says, I told mark that you weren't feeling well you know makes it look like he is actually he doesn't know what's going on he doesn't know what to do and you know yeah i think that's pretty interesting and at the same time keeping down the big hullabaloo that it would be if mark had shown up with him now Mm -hmm. you know so interesting stuff
2: so when he gets home she's like why aren't you calling the police and he's like I I will, I will. You go to bed. And she's like, well, won't they want to talk to me? And he's like, no, no, you'll talk to them tomorrow. And he gets the key out of the man's pocket and puts it in her purse. Yes.
0: Because he can't, he can't be found with that key on him. It needs to look like a robbery.
2: He also. (laughs) Well, no, also it needs to be in her purse. Yeah. uh, Because otherwise where's her key? Yeah. He burns the scarf that was used to kill her. and To attack her, yeah. And instead takes two of her stockings and puts one out in the garden.
0: To make it look like...
2: That's the one yeah, that was used, uh, but then he also puts one...
0: Under the blotter. hmm So he is like scams on scams at this point. We don't know exactly what's going on with this, but we will, and it's very, very clever... He's already thinking about how he can turn this around for his benefit.
2: We also get an intermission.
0: <laughs> yes, uh huh. This was uh, shown at theaters and in a time where they would do that sort of thing. It's
2: so funny. He ends up manipulating his wife into lying to the police. He convinces the police that the man must have had her key copied since there's no evidence of a break in.
0: Yes, because the inspector the police and the inspector shows up and the inspector is going to play a really big role from here on out and he's going to notice things that Tony has to act nonplussed about, you know? Like, oh, that's interesting, not like oh god, he's going to figure me out. Um things like there's no way he could have it could have been a break in. Because if he came in through the garden, there's no mud tracked inside. Because in actuality, Swan never went through the garden. And so he's starting to figure things out. The reason, though, that Tony is sort of nonplussed that we find out later is because what he's done is he's set it up to look like Margot killed him intentionally.
2: Because... He has put the letter inside uh, Swan's pocket. To the make letter that he like had
0: Swan grab and put his fingerprints on earlier.
2: To make it look like he.
0: Was the blackmailer.
2: He was blackmailing.
0: Yeah, him. and she had decided to kill him instead of pay or expose her secret. And so that's his scheme. And it's fascinating to see that all play out.
2: Yeah, and he plays the devoted husband through all of it, even Uh though it comes out that she was having an affair. He pretends like it's all okay and immediately calls their lawyer and, like, Uh we're going to get you the best help we can. Like,
0: the inspector knew because he had seen that letter. Of course, because Tony wanted him to see that letter. And he acts like he never knew anything about it. That's when she's arrested and taken away.
2: Yes, she is charged and found guilty of murder. In this fun
0: little segment, it's like a montage of her just sitting there while they're convicting her and sentencing her to be hanged.
2: Yes, pe- like her just sitting there with like a spotlight on her, and uh-huh. you're hearing people talking at, at her from other sides. And time scene. passes,
0: but we're still looking at her. Like and you know, she's they go crying from, yeah, uh-huh.
2: in t- turmoil, and now she's going to be executed <laughs> for her crimes. She's going to be
0: fucking executed.
1: Do you find the prisoner? Margot Mary Wendis, guilty or not guilty? Guilty. The sentence of this court is that you be taken to the place from whence you came, from thence to a place of lawful execution.
2: Which is great. Great for for Tony, Tony, yeah. (laughs) Because now he's going to get all that money out of her will. But the lover obviously doesn't want this to happen. So he approaches... Tony. Tony and is like, dude, I figured out how we can save her. You'll get a couple years in prison, but it won't be any big deal. We'll act like you were the guy who sent him in after her. Yeah,
0: and what Mark describes is this thing he once made up by... Tony wants Tony to lie, in quotes, and tell everyone that this was a murder plan because he discovered the affair. And I totally
2: thought that that he
0: was playing him. Mark
2: was fucking with him.
0: No, he wasn't. That's he was just not
2: at all.
0: In his mind, he was like, Because I write the perfect mysteries, how can I use my expertise to save the woman I love? This is the perfect plot he came up with, which is literally the same one that Tony came up with.
2: Except for one detail.
0: Where the key was. Yes,
2: where the key was. So the, the
0: inspector shows up during this at one point, and there's a conversation. There's a moment in here where the inspector sets the uh, the coat down on the chair, and then I was just like, whatever. He set the coat down on the chair, and then later on, Tony sits in the chair, but we don't see the coat, and I'm like... Oh, wait a minute. Isn't the inspector's coat supposed to be there? But they don't show it. They don't wink at you or anything like that. And then later on, when the inspector's about to leave, he picks up his coat and it's flattened. And he's like, what the fuck just happened <laughs> It's just a fun little visual gag that, like, if you miss whatever, but if you're paying attention, you get to see, which is a lot of fun. But... Mark is hiding in the side room when the inspector comes and he's like, okay, tell the inspector this, the, the plot that we came up with and you can save your wife and you go to prison and whatever. It's a small sacrifice you can do to save your wife. And yeah, she gets to run away with me, whatever. <laughs> you know? But, uh, so everything's going to work out in Mark's favor in this, in this, uh, story here, but Tony refuses to do so. And so when the inspector's about to leave, Tony calls him into the room to show him what Mark found in the room, which is a briefcase full of cash. That's the reason why the inspector had come by is because Tony had been spending a lot of cash recently. We know that it's the money he was going to pay Swan that now he had on hand and he had to get rid of. So he was settling bills across the city with cash. Mm -hmm. And they thought it was very suspicious. Mm hmm. Uh, And so that's when Mark reveals, here's the briefcase that with all this cash you see. And that's when Mark tries to convince the inspector that, no, this is real. This isn't a story we're going to make up. He actually did plot to kill her. And they're like, there's one thing that you didn't account for. How did he get in? Well, he could have just left a key like on top of the door jam, like up here outside. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Why didn't we find the key on him then? Well, he could have just put it back. And, but there's no key there. We know because the, the key was in his pocket that Tony found, and Tony hid that and put it back in Margot's purse. So it's interesting that, like, oh my God, Mark actually figured it out, but Tony was already two steps ahead. And he's able to convince, in quotes, the inspector that he didn't do anything. Mark leaves and waits outside for the inspector.
2: Yeah, the inspector acts as if this is absolutely ridiculous. No one would believe this. Uh-huh. But, turns out, he totally believes this. He 100% Mark.
0: believes this, yes.
2: And so, they decide they're going to save her.
0: Yeah. How does he explain away the money? Is it that Mar- it was Margot's money that she had collected? He
2: blames Margot. Yeah. He says that Margot stole it. I don't know why.
0: Well, not, it, not that it was stolen, but that she had been taking it out. And was going to pay it, and she wanted me to get rid of it discreetly. And so I was doing that for her. He couldn't wait until after she had been killed.
2: Nope.
0: Couldn't wait. So, the inspector plays like, oh, I don't want this Mark guy hassling me about this conspiracy theory. Can you go into the side window and look out front and see if he's out there waiting for me? And so while Tony goes to do that, he swaps keys with Tony and then acts like he just found the key on the floor and then he tries it in the door. Like, this is your key. And he's like, no, I have my key right here. Well, that's weird. What is this? And then so he goes and he tries it on the door and it doesn't work. And he's like, huh, Okay, it must have been mine. Oh, yeah. See, it fell out of a hole in my pocket. This is all a scheme that's made up by the inspector so he could try out this key thing.
2: Because he just learned... That the key that was found in her purse was not really their key.
0: Yes. it did. That's what the key is that he's trying right now, that he's claiming is his. Oh, they look exactly alike. That's so weird. Uh, we don't know this at the time, but yes, this is the one that was in Margot's purse. So then the inspector leaves and Tony's like, I'm out here. I'm going to go run more errands or whatever. And he leaves, but the inspector never left. And this is when all the shit's going down to um, fuck with Tony, basically figure Tony out, get proof that he's actually responsible for all of this. What we find out through all of this, when Mark is still there and comes in to try to figure this out, you know, what's, what's going on? What are you doing in here? You know, all that. And the inspector starts to explain everything. And he looks for the key that's missing under the fifth floor carpet. It had happened exactly the way Mark described. He used the key and put it back.
2: As he was told to do. As he
0: was told to do. The key in his pocket was his own key Mm -hmm. that just looked like theirs.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And that's the whole like linchpin that's going to seal this whole thing. So when Tony took it out of his coat and put it in Margot's purse, that's how they found out that there was something amiss. Why was this key that doesn't work in their apartment? In Margot's purse and supposed to be the key. Well, it's Swan's own house key. That's where all this is. They know that Tony's involved in this now. So they're going to play a little scam on Tony. First things first, they put the key back under the carpet on the stairs. Then the inspector calls the police station and has Margot brought by the apartment.
2: Yeah, and she's supposed to be murdered tomorrow. Tomorrow,
0: yeah. She's not doing well. Bring her in, and she goes to the front door and can't get in. And when she goes around to the back, they let her in. She's like, what's going on? It's like, well, they kind of start to explain things a little bit more to her as well. The inspector then gives the purse that she had with her to try to get into the apartment, gives it to one of his officers and says, take this back to the station as if it were, you know, her effects, just like normal.
2: And when he hands the purse to him, he puts like the, he he hangs it over his yeah, wrist. Yeah,
0: like, like, you know, like a woman might hold the purse or whatever on her arm, right?
2: And the joke from, what is this? 1950,
0: 1954. The, yeah.
2: 1954 is that if he goes outside like that, he'll get arrested. He'll be
1: arrested. Take this handbag back to the police station and get that car out of the way. Yes, sir. Oh, wait a minute, you plot. You can't walk down the street like that. You, you'll be arrested.
0: Because it was illegal to be gay.
2: What a time to be alive. What violent. a
0: time. We've come so far. So far. <laughs> so far. <laughs> anyway, it's an interesting little cultural tidbit that appears in this movie. So Tony comes back home. And when he tries to get in the front door and he can't, he realizes he doesn't have his key anywhere because the inspector had pocketed it earlier. He goes back to the police station to get his wife's purse to use the key in there. He comes home, uses the key in the purse, and it doesn't work. And he starts to walk away, stops, and realizes, oh, my God, this is Swan's key that but must mean time, my key is still in the stair.
2: And the whole time, the investigator is watching from the window.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. As and it comes to this like, realization.
2: He keeps watching and he's like, he's stopping. Uh, he, he's walking away. Oh, he stopped again. He's thinking. Oh, uh, keeps walking. Oh, he's figured it out. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was fun. It and then was he well comes shot. back
0: in and he uses the key that's in that stairway to get in the house. And they're all waiting for him. As he opens the door, and he's like, he looks around, he sees Mark, he sees the inspector, he sees Margo, and he's like, well, see ya! And he turns around to leave, and there's another police officer, who's been the lookout this entire time, right behind him. And he's like, okay, and he goes back into the apartment and closes the door in that police officer's face, and then, like, makes himself a drink, and be like, how did you figure it out? Like, he's got all this swagger, like, you know... Uh, I, I'm not ruffled at all. Uh, I'm totally not scared of being executed myself. Uh, you know, all of that. And he's playing it up. And the movie ends with him being carted off to prison. And Margot being like, what the fuck? Like, she's obviously devastated. And she's very, very angry.
2: Yeah, I liked I loved when he came in. It felt very much like, aha, when uh-huh. they all popped out at him. <laughs> And
0: he had to just kind of accept the fact that they got him. Yes. Congratulations are in order, he says, or something
1: like that. As you said, Mark, it uh, might work out on paper, but uh, congratulations, Inspector.
2: I also love that before he comes in, uh, Margot is talking to Mark once she's realized what's happened. Uh-huh. And she's just like, shouldn't I be freaking out? Shouldn't I be having a breakdown? Yeah. And Mark's just like, don't worry, sweetie. In a couple of days, you'll have a lovely breakdown. (laughs) What's the matter with me, Mark? I don't seem
1: able to feel anything. Shouldn't I break down or something? It's delayed action, that's all. In a couple of days, you're going to have the most wonderful breakdown.
0: (laughs) And then later, she's like, I think I'm having that breakdown now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Mark. I think I need to have
0: that it's very well acted, very well written. It's very well directed, but there's not much to direct. True. Here.
2: But it's very, You, you very just have good. to keep
0: track of everything that's happening in the script. And it keeps it, the, it
2: interesting. It, it does. It keeps it moving. Where, well, where, like, you know, sometimes a play in movies can drag. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like that at all.
0: Like we said, 90% of the movie takes place just in this apartment. Yes. And... You're never bored. Yes. It's fantastic. The movie was remade in 1998 as A Perfect Murder.
2: Yes. I I think I saw it when it came out. Yeah, me but that too. that was a very long time ago. Yes. And it's twisted, like, Viggo Mortensen is the one who's going to kill her, who's also her lover.
0: Yes. So he's, he's kind of like Swan and Halliday, Mark Halliday.
2: Well, no, but she does have a husband, too.
0: That's Michael Douglas.
2: Yeah. And... Gwyneth Paltrow is the Margot character. I think Gwyneth Paltrow, like, figures it out or something. Yeah, it's a little
0: bit different. But, yeah, they're obviously supposed to be playing these specific characters. Uh, I don't remember if that's any good or not.
2: I do not remember. No.
0: (laughs) So what do you think the movie has on Rotten Tomatoes, Kelsey?
2: I would guess it's pretty high. Maybe like a 88. 89%. There you go.
0: Dial M for Murder may be slightly off-peak Hitchcock. Yeah. I mean, I'd say his, like, big ones come later. Like, all the ones, like, the Birds and Psycho all came after this. Rear Window, uh, North by Northwest, these are all post-Dial M for Murder. But by any other standard, it's a sophisticated, chillingly sinister thriller. And one that boasts an unforgettable performance from Grace Kelly to Butch. yeah, She was alright. She was, She's she was good. She was good. But, like, I don't know that she was necessarily any better than any of the other people in here. Yeah. I guess probably because she didn't act very much. She did a lot of Hitchcock roles. Mm -hmm. Because he liked the blondes, and he liked her in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, Apparently, this may be apocryphal, I do not know. But apparently, she was going to come to the phone in, like, this elaborate robe or whatever. And she made the comment, like yeah, queen might be walking around in something like this. And he's like, well, what would you wear to answer the phone? And he's like, just my nightgown. And so he's like, you know, that makes sense. And so I guess in their collaborations after this, he would refer to her for all of her costuming choices. You know, he would like, what would you wear? You know, and and she would tell him and then they would do that. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, But, you know, there's all the stories about Hitchcock and his relationships with his leading actresses and how they're not so great. Yeah. But yeah, Grace Kelly didn't do much acting because she ended up becoming marrying the royal Prince thief. of Monaco and becoming, you know, Princess Grace <laughs> of Monaco. Uh, it has a 75 on Metacritic and, of course, no cinema score because it's 1954. Would you call that overrated or underrated?
2: It's pretty close. I was going to give it a 90.
0: Yeah, I w- that's exactly what I was going to give it. A 90. I feel like this would be a fantastic play to see. And I wish I had seen it as a play first. And apparently he wrote it originally for TV, I think. And it never got made. And so they just turned it into a play. And then Hitchcock made the movie version of it. I thought
1: that's, that's cool. pretty
0: interesting, yeah. Very, very good. I'm very, very happy with this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Even though it's not a horror movie, who cares? We've We've treaded the line. This is just one step over the line. Next thing you know, we'll be doing Hallmark Originals. Before we get into our next movie, though, Kelsey, horror trivia.
2: What iconic horror movie actor appeared in the opening sequence of the 2006 film Hatchet?
0: Okay, I have to go back to Hatchet. The opening sequence of Hatchet had Freddy Krueger in it. What's his face? Dance Macabre, I can think of, but I can't think of the motherfucker's name. (laughs) You know how bad I am with
1: names.
2: His name sounds like a country.
0: Robert England. Robert England. Yes. Okay. Oh, God. Uh, I would have been devastated if I couldn't come up with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kelsey. In your next, Tarek is mentioned as directing what kind of films? What? Amy's boyfriend, Tarek.
2: Oh, he's he mentioned. He makes documentaries. He
0: does, or he made a documentary, like a thirty-minute documentary or whatever. It hasn't made anything since. And then
2: her dickhead brother.
0: Oh, is it total... commercials are the highest form of film I art
2: don't even now? Get like, <laughs> okay, like I would just be like, I don't even get your joke, man.
0: People are weird. People are weird. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's especially a joke. I think it's just that he sees commerce as being artful.
2: I thought well. he was and, making a joke at the fact that, like, oh, you're a filmmaker, huh? So why don't you make commercials?
0: Or- no, I think he actually he literally does feel that commercials are where everything's happening right now. Because he thinks of it in a a capitalistic sort of sense. That's how he views art. And it's like, oh, this is where all the interesting stuff it ha- is happening. And it's like 30 seconds long, and then you don't have to worry about it ever again or whatever. And it's a fun little story. You know, yeah. So. It's an interesting scene. Tark is in fact a director. He is played <laughs> by Ty West in real life who directed Pod Favorite House of the Devil.
2: Really? Yes. That's funny. Yeah.
0: That brings us right into 2011's Your Next, written by Simon Barrett who wrote The Guest, which we also liked another Pod Favorite. And directed by Adam Wingard, who also directed The Guest. Uh, and Blair Witch, the sequel movie from 2016, which I feel like, I don't think we talked about on the show, right? From 2016? We
2: have not done that one, okay. no.
0: But we have watched, and I think I liked it more than you did. I
2: think we liked it.
0: Yeah. I was surprised at how good it was, especially after having been let down by Blair Witch Book of Shadows. <laughs> uh, for people who are into that sort of thing, he's also one of the directors from the VHS films. Which Kelsey does not like.
2: No. Uh,
0: it stars Sharni Vinson, Joe Swanberg, and A.J. Bowen. Sharney Vinson, who plays Erin, the lead actress in this movie, is also the main woman from Step Up 3D, if you recognized her, Kelsey.
2: <laughs> I, I did not, but that's good to know.
0: Fucking love the Step Up movies. A Guilty Pleasure.
2: <laughs>
0: and Amy, the sister of the family, uh, of the four kids in the family, the sister is Amy Simitz, who played Rachel in Pet Cemetery, yes. the remake, and Ferris in Alien Covenant.
2: Uh, yes. She also
0: wrote and directed She Dies Tonight, which we still haven't seen.
2: That's been on our lost list for a while, though. Yeah.
0: What is your next about?
2: A home invasion gone wrong.
0: <laughs> sure. This family is up in this really nice house for the parents anniversary to celebrate it together and while this family that seems to not be able to get along is having dinner they are attacked by people who have already killed their neighbors yes wearing these animal masks which blew up in popularity after this movie came out they were huge yes even in the wyatt family on wwe (laughs) the movie is free with ads on peacock I wasn't about to watch a rated R movie on a network streaming service, so we rented it instead. It's $4 on most services, but if you want it the absolute cheapest, it's $3 on Redbox. You can buy it for $8 on most services. Should people watch your next? Yes. Yes. I think watching it a second time didn't change my opinion of it at all. Oh. (laughs) It reinforced it.
2: Oh. Yes,
0: you should see this movie.
2: I like it a lot.
0: It is way overrated.
2: I think it's really funny. And fun to watch. And I'm not bored. And I'm in, it's, it's, there were things I'd forgotten and it was fun.
0: There's this part of the movie where it just decides it wants to be the horror version of Home Alone. And it's just for a couple of minutes. Now it's Home Alone. And.
2: I didn't mind it.
0: It especially pisses me off the way it ends up. At the very end of the movie. Yeah,
2: the ending the ending needed some work. The ending is terrible. The ending needed some work.
0: It's also funny that having watched it, Kelsey and I were both like, Oh yeah, remember that that like this is the twist. Like we make a comment about the movie that in order to make sense you have to know the twist in the movie. And Kelsey's like, No, that's not the twist. This is the twist. And I'm like, Huh. And then the more we watch the movie, the more it's like, No, I think you're right. And she's saying the same thing about me, and it turns <laughs> out we're both right. <laughs> it twisted twice. Yes, it did. <laughs> anyway. Twice the twists. Twice the twists. What a twists! So you can take our advice or leave it. But when we get back, we will talk about 2011's You're
1: Next. Don't miss the freshest horror movie in decades. Starring this house.
2: I think someone's upstairs.
1: This wolf. They've been watching us for days. This cat. This wasn't a random attack. This sheep.
2: Why would anybody
1: do this? And... This girl.
2: Grab anything that might make a good weapon.
1: You're next. I've never seen you act like this before.
2: Well, it's a unique situation. <laughs> we are
1: in theaters August
0: 23rd. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does your next begin?
2: We meet the neighbors of our family, a professor who left his wife for one of his students. Uh huh and they are living in their summer home. Yes. And they are slaughtered by people that are wearing animal masks.
0: And I hope you like this song because it's going to be one of the only songs in the entire movie and it will play over and over again.
2: Yes, it's they she puts on a song after they've had sex. And it goes it's to It's called looking
0: for magic.
2: Yeah, and it goes to repeat. So it will repeat a lot in the movie. Yes. This is where we get our title card. They like they enjoy using the blood of their victims and writing on the wall, you're next.
0: Yeah, it's not even technically a title card, it's just the name of the movie written down diegetically.
2: <laughs> yes. Then we will meet the parents, the patriarchs, um, the family. Uh,
0: Patriarch and matriarch, I guess. Sure.
2: And their names are?
0: Paul and Aubrey, played by Rob Moran and Barbara Crampton, respectively. Barbara Crampton, by the way, we know from Reanimator. She's a woman from Reanimator.
2: Oh, is she? Yeah, uh uh-huh. Interesting.
0: She's also in shopping Mall, which we have yet to see, mm. about the robot security in a shopping mall going crazy.
2: <laughs> yes. And when they first arrive, they're like, oh, that's funny. The door's open. It's like, how is that funny? And the wife is very, very concerned. She's just like, I know that there's somebody in the house. Yeah. Uh, but the dad acts like she's crazy. We also meet our main girl.
0: That's Sharni Vinson playing Aaron. And she is Australian. She actually is Australian. So that's her real accent.
2: And her boyfriend, who is one of the sons, Crispin.
0: Yeah, A.J. Bowen. Yes. Except it's spelled Crispian. Yes, it is. But they just say Crispin. Yes. Like Crispin Glover.
2: Yes. So, he is taking his girlfriend home to meet the family for their 35th anniversary, I think. Something like
0: that? It seems like it's not much. I think it's 35. And like it seems I'm sorry for everyone who had a 35th anniversary where they got their whole family together for it, but like it seems like such a non-event. <laughs> Like 40th, 50th anniversary, sure. 35th? It's
2: just the family. Is Why like, like a 27th?
0: It's not like it's a
2: huge party.
0: <laughs> I've I've gone out maybe once or twice with my parents for their wedding anniversary. And that was just like a dinner at a restaurant. Like we didn't use it as an excuse to have a reunion at our summer cottage. <laughs> well,
2: These are very, <laughs> That's very my rich point. people.
0: That's my point. It's just like... An exam- I I'm sure people who have no money at all celebrate their anniversaries with their children. I'm sure they do. But it just struck me as bizarre that this was like, let's go to the summer home <laughs> to celebrate our 35th anniversary. <laughs> and how old are these children? Anyway.
2: But so... The wife wants the husband to look into every room, but Crispin comes home right before he is about to go into the room where he would have definitely found one of them. Well,
0: maybe. Where one of them was.
2: Yes. But Crispin stops him from going. And then the dad totally lies to the wife and is like, yeah, we checked every room. No, you yeah, didn't. he's like,
0: whatever. Yeah, sure. Yes, I checked. Could you imagine? Okay, this isn't the case, but could you imagine if you heard a noise in the dark at night and you're like, Chris, go check it out or whatever. Right. And I get up and I leave the room and I just like sit on the couch for five minutes and then come back and be like, nobody's there. How pissed would you be?
2: I would be very mad. (laughs) I, I think I probably told this story. I know I've told it to you. I probably said it on this, on this show before, but my dad, before I was born, I think when my brother was, like, a baby. Yeah,
0: I think you did tell this story, but go ahead.
2: My parents were living in this giant home uh, that, like, they did not own. Their His boss was selling it or something, and they needed someone to live in it in the interim. Yeah. So my parents were allowed to live in this giant home that they did not have, like, any furniture for. So there were several rooms that were just empty. And my mom told my dad she was like i've been hearing noises upstairs today i i think somebody's upstairs Uh uh could you please go in and check like go upstairs and check and because this house was being sold and because my parents weren't planning on living in it for longer than like a couple months there were rooms that had no lights inside of them So my dad goes upstairs into these rooms that have no lights, nothing inside, and my dad walks into this one room, and he can swear he can hear breathing. Uh Uh-huh. But nothing happens. He can't see anything.
0: Yeah, it's just some dude hiding. Right.
2: And my dad's just like, well... (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'm not doing anything about this. Yeah, what am I supposed to do
0: about it if I don't know where he is? And And
2: he leaves. And the next morning, uh, they wake up and... My poor parents, like, they were these poor people. They were very poor at the time, living in this house, so people thought they had money. Uh Uh-huh. So they stole all of my dad's, like, recording equipment, like, like, like a camera. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. This, like, really cheap camera that he had. And my dad was just like, well, I guess it could have been worse.
0: (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) So, yeah, there was somebody in the house and- Somebody
2: was probably in that room. And they thought they were going to get a big payout because it was this big house. They got shitty recording yeah, equipment.
0: Could you imagine? Totally pissed. <laughs> I think I told the story about my, uh, my grandparents. They, they built a cabin in Arizona. They didn't have a lot of money, but they could buy a small plot of land in Bullhead, Arizona, and build the cabin there. My dad, my uncle, and my grandpa just built this fucking thing. And so they would stay there during the winter When they got back, their house had been broken into, but not like, like it wasn't ransacked or anything like that, but apparently what had happened is this guy had escaped from Pelican Bay Prison, which is right near where I was born, it didn't exist when I was born, had escaped from this maximum security prison, and followed this creek bed to where my grandparents lived, and... Hold up in the playhouse that we used to play in, Uh, like, lived in this little playhouse, and then would occasionally break into the house to steal food. They found, like, prison-issue underwear in the creek by the house, and it was, like, fucking creepy.
2: Weird. Yeah.
0: Luckily, they were in Bullhead at the time. But had they been home, who the fuck knows? It's interesting.
2: Ugh. People are scary. Yeah. But so, his girlfriend says to him, um, that night when they go to bed, you don't know what people would do for folks like yours. And that night she feels like she's being watched, but she can't prove it. But she is being watched. The next day, when the brother shows up, he immediately, the elder brother. Yeah. He immediately starts, like, play fighting with him. But, like... You can tell it really bothers Crispin.
0: Yes. So Crispin's obviously the younger brother who got picked on and all of that. Then there's the older brother who is Drake. And then there's Felix, who's probably the middle child. But he's the one that's just, he doesn't, he's disaffected.
2: I think Felix is the younger brother. He might be. I think that he's the youngest. It's, it's
0: just important that Crispin is younger than Drake. Yes. Yes. But Felix can fall on either either side of Crispin, it doesn't matter, but yeah, I think he may just be the youngest,
2: yeah, I think it's Drake Crispin, Felix, and then the daughter
0: the daughter, Amy, who we already mentioned is Amy Simons, Siemets, who knows
2: so Crispin's girlfriend, Aaron, wants to feel useful, so she asks the mom, "Hey, can I help you with anything?" And the mom's like, no, no, I'm good. Oh, actually, you know what? We are out of milk. Could you go next door and ask for milk? And it's a really odd thing to ask someone to do. Not. That you don't know. Like, Oh,
0: yeah. It,
2: it's one thing to ask for help inside your house, but it's another thing to ask someone who you don't know, you have no relationship with. Be like, go Like, walk...
0: Show up at somebody's house and be like, hi, I'm a stranger. Yes. Can I have milk?
2: (laughs) Yes. Exactly. Sounds like the opening of funny games.
0: Yeah, a little bit. You got any eggs? Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Crispin is even like, really? My mom asked you to do
0: that? It's like, whatever, I'll go.
2: But also, we don't know if Crispin is aware of what's happening. Like... Next door? Does anyone know what's happened next That's door? That's a good point Was that part of the plan? I assume I, I assume mean, it
0: was I
2: I assume it's like Well they're next door We can't have any fucking witnesses So we'll kill them Yeah If you have any neighbors We're killing them That's the
0: only thing that makes sense
2: Yeah She goes But nobody answers the door
0: The music's playing though
2: Yes we hear the song again while she's doing that, we see a scene between Crispin and his father. Now, here's the thing. His older brother really doesn't seem like a total asshole until the dinner scene?
0: Well, he's almost a little, like, oblivious. Yes. Like, he's just a he's just a fucking yuppie, and he doesn't get that people don't like him.
2: <laughs> Maybe. But... Then we've got Crispin's dad, who up until this point has seemed like a good, loving dad. But then here.
0: He raised Drake.
2: He's talking to his son and Crispin explains that he didn't get the fellowship. And he says, well, you know, I didn't I haven't been published lately. And the dad goes, well, you know, son, there are other people who got the fellowship who have also not been published lately. Uh Uh-huh. And it's just like, I get that your son made an excuse. I get that you don't like that your son made an excuse. But do you just have to be an all-out prick to yourself?
0: Right, that's a really shitty thing to do. He's like, no, you didn't get it because you suck. Like, is basically what the dad is saying to his son. Mm-hmm. Like, that's
2: fucked. Yeah.
0: But, you know, those sort of... Pompous, rich dads who have high expectations for their sons.
2: <laughs> we also get to see a scene between Drake and his wife, which is totally pointless. Like, their characterization does not matter at all. They but get, like, like,
0: one scene.
2: He wants to try and have sex with her, and she's like, I am so not interested in you. But she also takes the time to, like, be like, I don't like his girlfriend. And what it ends up being is that they don't like that they're happy. Is what it really is. They don't like that Crispin and Aaron seem happy. So they just want to tear them down. So I assume it's that they're not happy. But it's weird because Drake seems to really love his wife.
0: Yeah, uh uh-huh. It's
2: weird. Also, Drake is a total kiss-ass to his parents. So, like, is Drake... Working for his dad.
0: I would think it feels almost like his dad is retired and the son has taken over or maybe is like, vice president at the company that he ran or something like that. That's what, kind of what it, it – that's well, the feeling that it gives off.
2: His dad works in, like, making weapons –
0: Weapons manufacturing yeah. Yes uh-huh.
2: So I've- Oh yeah
0: they have that conversation at the beginning And Aaron's like a pacifist
2: Yes Yeah He's like how do you feel about spending the time with the fascist family Uh huh <laughs> My dad Retired
1: from KPG last year And he got an insane sevens package
2: Wait KPG As in the defense contractor Yeah
1: It was just in marketing though Why Why Is that a problem for you, babe? Having dinner with fascists?
2: No. No. I want to meet your family.
0: It's like, whatever. I'm really excited to meet your parents.
2: This is when we'll meet. So Amy finally gets there and... With Tarek. She seems like this perfect, happy, sweet girl. So it's kind of sad what happens to her. Yeah. Yeah. Her boyfriend is an idiot filmmaker, which was so interesting to find out that he's a good filmmaker.
0: He's he's kind of pretentious, artsy type.
2: Also doesn't deserve
0: to be treated the way he's treated. No, but Drake is a
2: total dick. That's the
0: thing. I think Drake is one of those guys that's like, what? What did I do? Uh He like legitimately is like,
2: what? Yeah, but I don't think that's true because then later he'll say to his brother Crispin, he'll say under his breath, that doesn't seem very professional. And when and when Crispin calls him out on it, he what pretends does he say?
0: He's like, "What you said it? I just re- I just said the same thing that you said. Well, I don't know what I did. That so, sort- trust me, I know what it's like having an older brother. They will just say and do things and go like, "What you're a bitch for complaining about it? Like that sort of thing. Like that's being a younger brother. I know how that feels. <laughs> and those guys are always the biggest douchebags." Love my brother, but biggest douchebags, the ones who are like, what? Like playing innocent when they very obviously did something that's offensive.
2: But this is where we learn that Aaron was Crispin's TA. And again, this, com- this comes out because Drake sees them like being playful and cute together. And it makes him mad. It makes him mad that his brother is happy and he is not. Yeah. So.
0: He's just judgy.
2: Yes, so that's when he brings up the fact that she was his TA.
0: And they're like, yeah, you know what? And then when we, she started having feelings for me, and so she quit.
2: Exactly. They're like, you know, we thought that what we were doing was wrong. So and he's like, yeah, it seems
0: a little inappropriate or whatever. But like what he's saying, yeah, what he's saying is that you guys being in a relationship now is unprofessional.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So Aaron, are you still in school?
2: Yes. I am. I'm in my final year. I'm finishing
1: my master's. That's great. In what? Good for you. In literature. Wow. So, were you a student of Crispin's? I was. But I'm not
2: anymore.
1: She was my TA, but we stopped because we figured that that was inappropriate. It's a little unprofessional. What? What's that? What you just said. What was that? About what? You said it's... unprofessional. Is there something else you wanted to say to me? No, I was just agreeing with you. You weren't agreeing with me. I well, I mean, I, what did he, I thought he said it was unprofessional. Don't look at her. I'm right here. Crispin. What? We're having a dinner here. I'm having a conversation with my brother. Is there something that you want to say? Because I feel like... What do you... I don't know what you want. I don't think that you're in any position to be judging my moral Who decisions. says I'm judging you? You, you are
2: with you your eyes. eyes. And also, yeah, I think we probably said this already, but Drake makes fun of Amy's boyfriend because he makes yeah. documentaries. Chris Commercials
0: are the highest form of art.
2: Chris doesn't think that he's making fun of no, him, him by saying No, I think he just has that. bad
0: opinions. <laughs> he has bad opinions and bad taste. He's a D-bag. Maybe. But also, yes, there is that line between is he really just innocently an idiot or is he being offensive on purpose and trying to cast himself as an idiot? What? What did I do? See, that's what I think So it's like, I I think it's like somewhere in the middle and you just want to punch those people in the face.
2: But we see a shot of Z and her boyfriend, the other brother, and it's just like, they just look really like, this is fun. (laughs) Like, why are we here?
0: So while all this argument is going on, what does... Tark do.
2: Tark sees something and he can't tell what it is, so he gets up and looks through the window. What am I looking at? What is that? And unfortunately he figures it out way too late. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Like immediately before an arrow goes straight into
2: his head. Uh,
0: Excuse me, a bolt?
2: Sorry. That is a
0: crossbow. Crossbows shoot bolts.
2: Sorry. So then, uh, Drake jumps up like, what the fuck? And Drake gets hit in the chest with one. No, he gets hit
0: in the back. Oh. In the back of his shoulder, trying to get his mom out of the window. Because the mom starts freaking right. out. Right. And she's standing in front of the window, and he grabs her and turns her around. And as he turns, that's when he gets shot in the like the shoulder blade or whatever.
2: Yes. And this will devolve into a lot of screaming and crying And it is great Every line is comedic gold I love that we're still getting the angry family yelling at each other While they're being slaughtered Yes,
0: but one thing that I think you notice more When you watch it a second or further times Is that everyone's talking over each other And everything that Aaron is saying Is like, here's what needs to be done, do it
2: Yes. Yes. Aaron immediately starts taking control, telling them how to save themselves, etc. Etc. They all try to use their cell phones, of course. And what is their excuse for not being able to use their cell
0: phones? Oh, they must have some kind of cell phone jammer.
2: Yes. And what does Drake say to his brother?
0: Oh, sure you'd be into shady shit like that or something
1: like you that. You
2: fucking lowlife. Of <laughs> course you know that. And I just love, he's dying. He's been shot with a bolt through the back. Uh-huh. <laughs> and what does he do? He yells at his brother for knowing what a cell phone jammer is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they must be using a jammer. What? A cell phone blocker. They're illegal, but you can
1: get them on the internet for like 30 bucks. Felix, you fucking lowlife. What are you calling me a lowlife for, man? I'm just trying to help the situation. <laughs> That's no fucking surprise for that sketchy
2: shit. Aaron explains that they all need to grab a chair. And cover their face and body with it as they run across the room. Uh Uh-huh. And she is the last one to go. Now, it's very possible that the murderers don't know who they're shooting at. It's also very possible that the murderers knew they would not actually hit her because of the chair. So they did it to seem more threatening and menacing. Uh Uh-huh. Who knows?
0: I I just assumed that they didn't know who it was because there was a chair in front of their face.
2: But I immediately was just like, they wouldn't have shot at her. If they had known who she was.
0: Sure, but the best laid plans.
2: Right, but that's when Chris was like, what? Why? And that's when we both realized that we both knew. We both knew different parts of the twist. twist. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Crispin is watching his girlfriend become this amazing warrior woman, and the look on his face tells you everything you need to know. What is going on? Why can she? Why is she doing this? It's
0: surprising to him.
2: Yes. What am I gonna do?
0: Well, I mean, you're, you're you're giving it away at this point. It's very obvious. Crispin is involved in this in some way.
2: Yes. And it's just this. This is just all so wonderfully put together. The mom is freaking out. The Kelly is yelling at Drake, and Drake is just like, "Stop yelling at me, Kelly!" and like, everyone is shouting and everyone's trying to figure out a plan. And Aaron is like, we all need to stay in this house. What are you talking about? We cannot go outside. But the sister is like, no, no, I'm going to run for it.
0: And Crispin keeps saying, hey, I can do it. I could run. I can run really fast. And they're like. Come on, you're fat. And he's like, I was fat. I'm not fat anymore. I can do it. I can do it. He's trying to convince them. And nobody will listen to him. Now, two things. Number one, he wants to get out of the house. It's part of his plan to get out of the house. Well, it's part of his new plan, I guess, to get out of the house. Second thing is he knows what happen, what will happen if anyone else tries to get out. Yes. And now it's his sister trying to get out. So it's weird. Like, it's almost like a. Not fuck all that. Because, of course, he wants to kill his sister.
2: I think that's part of the plan. I don't know that it was. It might have been. Or it might have just been a hat. Like, if she dies, she dies.
0: But she would take the inheritance.
2: Right. Well, she would take part of it. I know they wanted Drake to die, obviously. Yes. I think that sister was collateral damage. If she dies, she dies. If she, does, if I guess, she doesn't, she guess I guess
0: that makes sense.
2: If you see the opportunity, I guess take because it. Because she
0: is a sweet girl and it's very right. obvious that they like her. Yeah,
2: I don't think they cared if she died or she didn't. Yeah. Anyway. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> because what happens?
0: So they're going to open the door at the last minute. And who makes that recommendation, Kelsey? I don't know. So they're like, okay, you get a running start we're going to open the door at the last minute so they don't see you coming. They're not going to expect the doors to open and somebody come running out full speed. The person who makes that recommendation is Felix. The reason what happens happens is because they have no chance to register what's going on. If they had just opened the doors and looked out and then run from there, nothing would have happened to her.
2: You think Felix knew the thing was there? Yes. Okay. I had no idea. I was wondering about that. Why else
0: would he want somebody to get out of the house and potentially get help? So, (laughs) other twist, Felix is in on it, too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Okay, so what happens, though?
0: So they open the door, she's running full speed, and then she gets garroted right through the throat.
2: Yes, but it, it, cuts does not, open her throat. it does not slice all the way through. It pushes her back.
0: Yeah, she gets knocked back, but it does cut through yes, her throat it deep cuts enough through. where she's dying.
2: Yeah, she's going to die, but it's interesting. I wonder if they knew like in real life that that's how it would really work. Oh,
0: I imagine so. I mean, you're only going the f- as fast as your legs will take you. You're not going to be running fast enough to get your head chopped off by something that's stationary. You've never gotten clotheslined by something before?
2: Not from the neck, no. Like a
0: clothesline. <laughs> you know how you like push forward a little bit and then you get knocked back? It's like that. Yeah, definitely. So they're like, fuck.
2: Yeah. So the mom, of course, flips out. And so she goes upstairs to be alone, which is where she will die. And I think then Aaron goes up to check on her and ends up, she stabs the mom's murderer, but he does not die. He escapes. Yeah. And they have again written on the wi- the wall, you're next, mm-hmm. in the mom's blood. She's just
0: got this giant axe sticking out of her head, which isn't there later, by the way. Really? Yeah, uh-huh.
2: So everyone goes downstairs, except for Kelly. Kelly stays she's upstairs by herself. She's like panicking and herself. freaking out and... Like, why? She's unarmed, she's alone... Nobody is concerned about her, nobody is checking on her, even though she does end up screaming, but the killer comes after her, but she ends up... Running out Yeah Escaping it But then she just keeps running And runs outside Yeah
0: she ducks underneath The yeah, garage she ducks under it And she runs out And she runs to the next house over
2: Drake tries to follow after her And oh, he ducks but- too Oh god it's so
0: perfect He
2: ducks too And but- then the garage
0: Hits the bolt sticking out of his back And yes. he's like Oh god And
2: then he He grabs it Because it's broken now And he just
0: rips it out And
2: he looks at it And, and then he just collapses <laughs> It's well done. It's very funny. This movie is very funny. It we're not funny. We're not talking about all the humor, but just the, the – it's comedic gold listening to this family just well, it's, scream at each other. It's like,
0: one you know, those sort of ad-lib moments where you don't have every single line scripted. You just have certain things you want them to say. It feels like, you know, an argument scene in a Christopher Guest movie, but in a horror setting.
2: Yes. And so – Kelly runs to the house next door. She is obviously followed by the one who has the crossbow. Uh Uh-huh.
0: Who is Fox Mask, I think.
2: Don't remember. But he ends up, so she's trying to get the neighbor to come to the door, who she can see sitting on the couch. They've propped him up to look like he's just sitting there, but he's dead, remember? And so she's just screaming at this guy, trying to get him to come and get her. And she oh, no, sees... lamb
0: mask is the, is the one. Yeah, okay, go ahead.
2: And she sees the lamb mask in the window behind her and he like punches her through the window? Something like that, It yeah. looks like he just punches her and then she just goes straight through the window, which is not very realistic, which is funny when you consider that the sister's death was more realistic.
0: Yeah. But then he's gonna grab this body and drag it all the way back to the first house.
2: Yes, and I this is when I started to notice, I was like, They don't have gloves on.
0: That's one of my first notes I have here. I'm like, why on earth would you wear fingerless gloves during a home invasion?
2: Yes. They're putting their fingerprints all over the place. Yeah. And I don't understand. Neither do I. I don't get it. Like, I
0: understand why you would wear fingerless gloves in general. Like, they're, you know, it keeps your hands warm, but you still need to use your fingers and and interact with things. But, like... You're committing a crime. <laughs> Maybe put some latex gloves underneath that or something. Like if you really want to wear fingerless gloves. It like just
2: what? does not make sense, it especially doesn't. when you find out that they're they're military. Except
0: for the fact that it looks cool.
2: I guess. Meanwhile, back at the house, they finally take out bolt cutters and get rid of the wire. Yeah. <laughs> finally. Aaron is still trying to maintain control and and save everyone. And she, for some reason, thinks it's safe to stand in front of a window while she's doing this speech that she's giving. It doesn't end up being harmful to her, but it comes crashing gets, the body of yeah, Kelly. Uh-huh.
0: They're like, oh my god
2: And oh, and as she's walking by this window, she's got all these knives, and when the body comes ra- 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 like thrown through, she falls, and all the knives fall. And it's a cool shot. Yeah. But it's kind of random. It doesn't lead to anything. Yeah. I mean they pick up a knife later.
0: She does. There are a few moments when they just you need to have knives handy. But I mean I guess it's fine. It's kind but of But like it's a really it's a
2: cool shot. Yeah. They uh-huh. slow down and everything is slow motion and they fall, but it doesn't lead to anywhere. It's very random. Yeah.
0: So Crispin freaks out and runs out of the house. <laughs>
2: Yes. Oh, he, oh I'm going to get
0: help now.
2: He already left yeah. before this. And she ends up killing the one who threw Kelly's body through the window.
0: So this is the weird thing. It must be Tiger Mask. I must have been right. I don't know. Because Tiger Mask is the one that comes into the house at this point. And Aaron beats the shit out of him and smashes his skull in with a meat tenderizer. That's Tiger Mask, and it's important that that's Tiger Mask, because that's Simon Barrett, who wrote the movie. Ah. So when she shows off his face, do you recognize him?
2: Anybody know this guy? (laughs) I love that Felix looks at her after she's murdered this guy, and he's just like, uh, Crispin's really tough, I'm sure he's fine. (laughs) And she's like, no, he's not, but thanks for saying it. yeah. Meanwhile, the dad is still alive. He's upstairs checking things. And one of the murderers comes up behind him. And you think, oh, here comes the dad's death. But then the murderer is gone and replaced by Felix and Z. Yeah.
0: Oh, they must have scared him away.
2: And the dad is just like, Felix, I think they've been in here
0: for days. He says they've been watching us for days, except they just got there yesterday. He might have been in the house for days. But he hasn't been watching them for days. Yes. You got there the night before. You got there last
2: night. And while they're having this conversation, dad's throat gets slit right in front of Felix. Yeah. And Felix is just like, oh my God.
0: But as we already revealed, Felix is in on it. So what he's really upset about is, did you have to do that right in front of me?
2: Yeah. Did you have to kill my dad right in front of me? And now I have to go clean all of his blood off of me to make it not look like I uh-huh. saw it happen. And the crossbow guy comes inside.
0: So that is Lamb Mask. And, and he gets pissed when he sees his brother. He's
2: very pissed. Yeah,
0: and he tosses the dining room table over.
2: Because the man that she killed, the writer apparently, uh-huh. was his brother. And unlike Felix, I liked my brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But meanwhile, Aaron stabs him in the back And he has to, he's forced to run outside Yeah, uh-huh And this is when she tells Z I grew up on a survivalist compound when I was young Yeah so the, and she's like, I haven't even told Crispin that. Yeah. When I was born, my dad was worried that the world was evil. So uh-huh. she made me he made me grow up that and way. And it was just
0: when she was a kid, and then like her mom took her away from it and everything like that. And she's grown up to be a pacifist. But she has all this like survivalist training that her dad provided her when she was very young.
2: At some point, Drake wakes up and Aaron decides to be kind and lies to him and says that she doesn't know where Kelly is. Yes. But when he goes upstairs and sees Felix, Felix is like, what? You didn't know? She's dead. She's lying on the floor downstairs. Yeah. No,
0: they're they're in the basement at this point, I think, and looking for weapons that they might find.
2: Oh. Yeah.
0: And, and so in this moment, he gets to devastate his older brother. And then when his brother's all upset and freaking out, he just stabs him. And, but the brother's like, what the fuck? And he's like, he's on drugs right now to prevent him from feeling the pain. He's got adrenaline coursing through his body. He's still alive. And so Felix just keeps stabbing him with things. And I don't mean like he stabs him with the knife, pulls it out, stabs him again. I mean, he stabs him, leaves the thing in him. Grabs a screwdriver, stabs him with that, grabs this thing, stabs him with that, and he's just Will not going just down. you
2: just die already? <laughs> this is hard enough for me as it is. Yes,
0: exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: Would you just die already? This is hard enough for me.
0: <laughs> Please do me a favor and die.
2: Yeah, exactly. This is tough
0: for me. Can't you think of me? <laughs>
2: He does apologize. He says I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he eventually does die. And meanwhile, Z is kind of like, I'm I'm kind of done with this bitch ruining our plan. Yeah. So Z's decided she's going to kill Aaron, which is a really stupid decision.
0: Well, Z's kind of a bitch.
2: Y- well, yeah, but she's also an idiot. Yes.
0: No, she thinks she's above everything and nothing...
2: It doesn't end up coming to a head here, though, because Z realizes that she can't kill her in the moment. Yeah. And stops. But Aaron is such a badass throughout all of this. She ends up, like, jumping through a window at some point. Oh, because they they follow after her. She's upstairs. One of them follows after her, and she jumps through the window down to the ground, and it's so fucking cool. Yeah,
0: she lands and she gets this... Oh my God, she gets this piece of glass stuck in her leg and then she hobbles away into the woods, finds a place behind a tree and then takes this out, trying not to make very much noise. And this shard of glass is like so fucking long. Like you see it and you're like, oh, that's not too bad. And then she like yanks on it and just keeps coming out. There's a video game series for the Wii and the DS. It's called Trauma Center. And that's one of the first- missions that you get is to like oh somebody's got all this glass in them so you got to pull out pieces and then like one of them is just this t- tiny little piece sticking out and you grab it and you pull and it's just keeps coming out you're like oh jesus christ <laughs> and th- that's what that reminded me of and she puts a tourniquet on but she's not going to be able to keep on for too long so uh, lamb mask fires his crossbow at her in this moment
2: yes but she gets away Meanwhile, Z and Felix are alone, and he's just like, God, this is such a fucking disaster. This is, I mean, you know, we already know that he's in on it, but now we're getting to hear a little bit more about it. And Z is like, let's have sex next to your dead mom. And he's like, what? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. She's like, don't you ever want to do anything interesting? Yeah. And I love that his, he's like, I don't think that's a fair assessment of me. <laughs> We're killing
0: our family right now just because I don't want to have sex in the middle of it. Like, this conversation is over.
2: Yeah, he He leaves. <laughs> And meanwhile, Aaron has come back into the house and is hiding somewhere. And she will overhear the conversation that Felix has with one of the murderers. Yeah. And he's like, Jesus Christ, we don't want your DNA all over the fucking floor. But it's like, uh, it's already all over the floor, buddy. Uh-huh. Like, this has, you are right. This is a disaster.
0: And Felix is talking about, like, he's like, I even had to kill my own brother.
2: I had to stab my own brother because of your fuck up. And this is when he's like, well, unlike you, I liked my brother. And he kind of starts to be like, why shouldn't I just kill you? And Felix is like, because if you kill me, you won't get fucking paid?
0: Uh Uh-huh.
2: Like, do you want your brother to have died and then you don't get paid? So what
0: he says is, it's only fair you get your brother's share. And then both of you get an extra $100,000. Now wrap this shit up. Yeah. But when this hap- what happens in this moment when they're figuring this out?
2: Her phone goes off because she sent a message to the cops via She texted
0: text. 911. Yeah. uh huh. And it finally went through because she, she who, who turned that thing off? Somebody no, went into it the didn't truck. Get,
2: it didn't get turned off. She said, if you can just get into one area where it's not hitting it. Yeah.
0: It'll just keep trying to resend. And, yes. Yeah. I could have sworn somebody turned like went into a trunk of a car and turned something off,
2: or maybe whether that was Crispin. Crispin or, did it. Yeah. Anyway, that's when the one dude who was listening to music earlier, when he killed his dad right in front of him, uh, he's like, "I got it, don't worry." But he goes, "Yeah,
0: that's Fox Mask,"
2: and gets stabbed in the eye.
0: No, that's that's Lamb Mask. That's the the bulkier dude. Whatever. Yeah.
2: One of them goes after her, she stabs them in the Uh, eye. With
0: a screwdriver, yeah.
2: So there's only, like, one murderer left, and Felix and Z. And so she's gonna, like,
0: take this moment to booby trap the house.
2: Yeah, so they think that she's... She did, she ran out... They ran out after her.
0: She snuck back she in. She snuck
2: back in, which is what is which is when she killed one of them.
0: But she's going to start booby trapping the house with all this stuff. We already saw the board. I with the liked nails. it.
2: I liked it a lot. I thought the music was badass. I thought she was badass. I liked it because now she knows what's going on, and it's like, oh fuck that shit. I'm killing all of you.
0: Yeah, my problem isn't with the concept of horror movie Home Alone. My problem is that generally in something like this in Home Alone, you you like see him go through the montage of setting everything up. And you're like, oh, how's that going to like, oh, what's going to happen here? Oh, what's going to pay off with this thing? And there's like 20 fucking things that he does. And then throughout the climax and the rising action, we get like one by one. These things go off or don't go off the way they're supposed to. And we get to we get a payoff for each and every thing, except she only does like two or three things. Whereas Kevin McAllister does like a dozen. And so it just it just felt like there was a total lack of payoff. One booby trap that she sets off, which is just an axe. She, she's able to set up this like pulley system with an axe and then she sets the axe like on a hinge and like above the door. So if you open the door, it falls down and it swings and it hits whoever's gonna, it maybe hits whoever opens the door. It seems like a lot of effort for something that's not gonna pay off unless this was a straight up slapstick comedy. And it's a comedy, but it's not slapstick. And then that never pays off until... The very end when it pays off in the absolute wrong way. In a way that pisses me off. So like, okay, so two out of the three things actually do anything. And then the third thing does a thing that I don't like. Like, that's my problem with it. Like, I felt like there's a payoff for the stuff in Home Alone. The payoffs in this movie kind of fucking sucked. That's why I think it's overrated.
2: I suppose so. But.
0: I don't have a problem with the concept. I have a problem with its execution.
2: But Felix takes the crossbow. Yeah. And the guy laughs him and laughs at him, and he's just like, "You don't even know how to use that thing." Yeah. And he's like, "Whatever, I'll take care of it." Remember, the cops could be coming at any time, so like they need to be worried about that. But she breaks out all the lights, which I thought was cool. And she's got broken glass all over the place. She's got a flashing camera, so it's uh-huh. hard for them to see. And she ends up smashing the face in of the murderer. Fox mask.
0: Yeah, the last murderer. So now the only ones left are Felix and Z. But so now also it's like, oh, so the major threats are now gone, and then the conflict is still going on. Like, yeah, because oh, the brothers, right? But these two are fucking incompetent. Yes, like they it's are. not nearly as tense as the rest of the movie was with these killers and now there's more content we have to go through.
2: Felix shoots at her. He thinks he hit her, but he did not. Yes. And when they go inside, he's like, "What the fuck? Where is she?" And he ends up slipping on the blood that's on the floor. Yeah. And she pops up and chokes Z, but he hits Felix hits her in the back.
0: He stabs her in the back, yeah.
2: But then she ends up blending his brains.
0: Yes, by, <laughs> so, like, hits him with the blender, so that glass shatters, and then she stabs the blades through the top of his head, and I don't know if you've seen a blender. Those blades are sharp, but they don't exactly stab downwards. Yeah. Then she, there's a struggle to plug in the blender, like... Kill him another way. You don't have to kill him this way. You already stabbed him in the brain. Like
1: Stabbed him in the brain.
0: But So like, I don't know. It, this is another thing that just felt so tonally off. The rest of the movie is intimidating. I just and now all of a funny. sudden we have slaps. That's, that's my point. It's slapstick comedy and this is not a slapstick movie. All of a sudden it wants to do slapstick stuff. And it's like, wow, read the fucking room, in my opinion. In your opinion, you're like, hey, this is fun and cool. And I get that. It's just like, to me, it felt tone deaf.
2: And then she ends up just stabbing Z in the head. Which would that kill you so instantly?
0: I feel like it wouldn't. I feel like it wouldn't. You might like. I can't see out of my left eye. Yeah, or something I feel like, like you'd go haywire, yeah. but I feel like
2: you'd you'd still exist. <laughs> and the then Felix's phone rings, and she answers it, but she doesn't say anything. And so the brother, like an idiot, because he is an idiot, going
0: off on yeah. Is Is it it over over? with yet? I'm sorry, I couldn't couldn't do this. Yeah, Felix.
1: Hey, Felix, is it all done in there or what? I saw my signal came back. Is it over? Look, I know you're pissed at me for not helping out. I just, I couldn't do it, man. I, I told you this might happen. I saw mom and the blood and. You know I'm a pacifist i can't I can't deal with the violent stuff. <sighs> Come on, man, I can hear you breathing on the other end of the phone <sighs> it's It's fucking freezing out here. I'm coming inside,
2: and she's just like, "What the fuck you were in on it too? He's like, "Come on, babe, you know how broke we are um." And she's like, what about me? And he's like, oh, no, 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 honey. You weren't supposed to be. It was very important to my plan that you survived. Uh Uh-huh.
0: You needed to be the
2: witness. I had this whole plan. I was going to, like, take you to Paris, and we were going to get engaged, and it was going to be great. But then you ended up being really good at killing people, which is kind of weird. (laughs) Listen,
1: I'm sorry things got so out of control, but, um... (sighs) How are we supposed to know that you were um, really good at killing people? Which is actually sort of weird, by the way.
0: And it's just, it's really That's that kind of humor I really liked. That was good. So I'm saying, I'm not, don't, don't hear me talking bad about this movie thinking that I don't like it. I do like it. It's just, these are the reasons why I look around and I go, really? Everyone loved this movie?
2: He's like, now we, now we can be millionaires, and it would be such a waste if we didn't take all the money. Think about it logically. I'll pay off all of your student bills, or I'll go to jail, and you'll get absolutely nothing. Yeah. And this will have all just been a really bad thing that happened to you for no good reason. At some point, he comes inside, and they're still continuing this conversation, and she does what?
0: She stabs him behind the ear.
2: With yeah. the knife,
0: and then when he falls down, asks onto her the ground. why. Uh
1: huh. <gasps> why the fuck not?
0: Stabs him in the eye, killing him, and when she does this, she gets shot
2: by a police officer. The police officer
0: was outside.
2: And And then then he he
0: comes rushing in and then she's like, no. And he opens the door and then he gets an ax to the chest. End of movie. Okay. So dumb.
2: The reason it needed to happen is because at that point she was going to go to jail. Right. They were going to blame it all on her. So now she doesn't have to go to jail, which is good. But I'm kind of like, you could have just ended up with him.
0: (laughs) No, uh. No, no, no. Of course there's no way the movie was going to do that. Good to know what I could get away with though. <laughs> there's no way the movie was going to end up like that. I just think it, you know, it it could have ended with her alive and then the cops show up just at just at that moment like why did the cop need to die?
2: All I'm saying is if you were planning on killing him, why not get the money first?
0: Yeah, why tell him your plan or anything like that? Go, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Go through with it and then kill him. If
2: you're kill killed anyway. It'd
0: be, it'd be incredibly obvious. And morally speaking, she would not be okay with pretend, like going through the motions and lying to everyone. But she's and, okay
2: with just murdering somebody. Yes.
0: Because <laughs> that's more instinctual. That's more visceral.
2: I suppose.
0: But the cop was there. He had a bead on her, obviously, because she gets shot Immediately, he saw this happening, so he knows that he's able to assess the situation. This is all making great assumptions that cops are actually good at their job. (laughs) But he's able to make the assessment that she is a threat. She just did something that is bad, and she needs to be fired upon. And he never declared his presence at any point. He never tried to stop it from happening. Part of me is like, well, that sounds like a cop. (laughs) And the other part of me is like, it's unbelievable.
2: No. Sounds like a cop.
0: Yeah. It's just so unsatisfying. It's not... You you know me. I love endings that you hate. Because, like, they're depressing. Or, like, why was it necessary to end it that way? And I'm like, oh, no, but it's chilling. This isn't chilling. It's just stupid. I hate the ending of this movie.
2: It's not a great ending.
0: And then they do... It's kind of clever. They have Polaroid shots of all the dead bodies, including Erin, who is not dead. She's just laid out. And then it says suspect question mark written under there. So now the woman that the movie has been building up this whole entire time to get us to love to be a, a strong heroine of a horror movie, which is like, we're bringing it back. We're making women strong again. And then. It ends with now she's the suspect in all these deaths? Like
2: it doesn't make any sense. Of course, because
0: there are killers there. She wasn't there when the neighbors were killed. Like
2: And she doesn't get anything out of it. Right,
0: exactly. So like
2: it doesn't she wouldn't. There's no motive hold up in court. There's no
0: opportunity. Yeah, no, it's it absolutely wouldn't hold up. So like now you you're doing this twist at the end to upset us, but it doesn't even hold up to the slightest scrutiny. So it doesn't even work. So now not only do I get an ending that upsets me, but it's an ending that falls apart. And so now I'm upset two different ways. I'm happy that this is a situation where I get to be the grumpy one.
2: I think the movie did enough that I don't really care. The ending, I, The ending, yes, I agree. The ending is dumb. But I think the rest of the movie is, is good enough that I don't care. I I just love the dark comedy of a family just refusing to be nice to each other despite m-
0: murder. Yes, no, I love all of that. I enjoy the movie. Here's this this is my note I actually wrote in the moment. Hate the ending. Hate it. The act setup was already ridiculous and it never paid off in the climax, so they use it as a throwaway gag at the very end. A gag, might I add, that makes things worse for our heroine. A heroine for whom the movie spends its entire runtime getting you to root. And then I wrote in parentheses, shout out to our Aussie listeners. Because she's Australian. And then I said the movie tries to get you to, to root for her. And root has an entirely different meaning in Australia.
2: <laughs> I think I know what it means.
0: <laughs> anyway, so what do you think the movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? I will say it has like this big sort of like cult following like the horror culture loves it but does that mean that it did as well general reviewer wise
2: I imagine it did Uh, I would have guessed maybe like a 77
0: Jesus Christ Kelsey that's twice in one episode that you're one point away
2: nice 78%.
0: 78%. Your next energetic and effective mix of brutal gore and pitch black humor will please horror buffs and beyond. It's Metacritic is lower, of course, with a 66, but a B-minus cinema score, which I think is reasonable. I would give it a more like a C C+. What would you give it, Kelsey?
2: Well, what number were you going to give it?
0: I was going to give it maybe a... Like at most a seventy five
2: that's a c, not a c plus
0: I know now that I'm thinking about it <laughs> seventy eight sounds okay. that would be the c plus but like I'll give it a seventy five I'll just stick with stick with my guns i'm I'm so flabbergasted by the things I don't like that this movie could have been in the eighties for me. I don't think it was ever going to be in the 90s, but it could have been in the 80s. And it just tripped over itself with so many things that just annoyed me.
2: I'm going to give it an 83.
0: That's understandable. I get it.
2: I get it. I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked it.
0: I think it's definitely worth watching. I would tell you to watch it, but I'd say temper your expectations. And those guys were terrifying, like legitimately, wearing those masks.
2: They were cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right, that is 2011's Your Next. What are we watching next week, Kelsey?
2: Next week is a recommendation week.
0: Cool. Who As, recommended it?
2: Uh, Alex.
0: Thank you, Alex.
2: Yes, thank you, Alex. It is also a double feature. Yep. yep. We're going to do The Crazies.
0: So, the 70s version of that, 73, is a George Romero movie. Okay. He wrote and directed it based on somebody else's screenplay. So excited about that and it's a quarantine movie. So we're still in quarantine. Think back to when we did Quarantine and the Stand. It's how long we've been doing this in quarantine for. <laughs> anyway, it's about basically a virus that makes people go insane and and become hostile. Then they remade it in 2010, same general premise. Starring Timothy Oliphant and Danielle Panabaker, who I know from Flash, which I haven't seen in a very long time. But yeah, Flash. And she was in the Friday the 13th remake, which was a lot better than we thought it was going to be. And maybe you should watch it. Yes. Uh, But also it has Radha Mitchell in it. Who I really like, I like her a lot, and she is in two movies that I cannot wait until we do on this show. Which are? Pitch Black and Silent Hill.
2: I've wanted to do Pitch Black before, and you were like, meh.
0: No, not at all, I think Pitch Black is great. I didn't like the idea of Chronicles of Riddick. (laughs) But I guess we just did Dial M for Murder this episode. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe our standards are a little lax. Okay. (laughs) Pitch Black is definitely a horror movie, though. But Silent Hill. She's Rose in Silent Hill. And so I can't wait till we do Silent Hill as well. Uh, Anyway, so The Crazies double feature. Thank you, Alex, for the recommendation.
2: Yes, thank you, Alex.
0: Until then, you can always reach us at our website, podcemetery.com. Follow us on Twitter, at podcemetery.com. Subscribe in your podcatcher of choice. Rate and review is very helpful. More helpful than that is leaving a five-star written review. And even more helpful than that is sharing us with your friends. And even more helpful than that, it just keeps getting better. It's listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris.
2: I've been Kelsey. And this has
0: been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words?
2: No, I'm afraid my murders would be something like my bridge. I'd make some stupid mistake and never realize it until I found everybody was looking at
1: me. To the sacred place This ain't a dream
2: I can't escape Moldings and fangs But I'm picking up bones
1: Spirit's morning Among the two stars Ba-na-na-na-na-na-na
0: ba na 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 ba na ba na 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 ba na 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 ba
2: I don't really understand my next couple notes.
0: What is your next note?
2: May the saints preserve us from a talented amateur.
0: That's what the inspector says to Mark. He basically calls Mark a talented amateur. And he's basically saying, you know, a little... figured it out? No, a little talent can go a long way to ruining things, you know, like, can cause a lot of damage. He's basically insulting Mark. Like, I already figured all this shit out. I'm also two steps ahead of you. (laughs) And you're going to fuck this up for me.
2: And their names are?
0: What? You want me to know things? Like Crispin Glover? Yes. What's that Crispin Glover movie? It was in my head. It's Crispin Glover and Keanu Reeves, and their buddy kills a chick because she won't sleep with them. And then, like, it's fucking melancholy about how they're trying to, like, save their friend. And the friend's like, I don't fuck it. I don't even care anymore. And they're, like, just trying to save him. What's the name of that movie? I do not know. That doesn't ring a bell to you at all? No. Hold on. I'm probably gonna put this in the outtakes at the end of the episode. And somebody's listening to this right now and they're going da, 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 whatever the name of it is. Um hold on. I will get it. Crispin Glover. I feel like because Crispin Glover came up recently as being in something. Made me think about it. River's Edge. Ioni Sky is in it.
2: Right, right, right. I a forgot. high school
0: slacker commits a shocking act and proceeds to let his friends in on the secret. He just tells them, too, I remember. Like, he's just like, yeah, I killed her. Like, what? However, the friend's reaction is almost as ambiguous and perplexing as the crime itself. It's just like this this weird movie where everyone's just weird. It's great, though. It is. But
2: it's a real story. It's,
0: like, fascinating. It's a real it story. It just wraps you up in it. Yeah, it it's incredible and i don't know for great reasons but it is it's just incredible um i was fascinated by it agreed anyway that's just because one of our main characters is named crispin why the fuck not what are we watching next week kelsey she's gotta look it up because she's not prepared think back to when we did wreck and quarantine
2: no quarantine in the stand
0: We did Quarantine in the Stand? Yes. No, we did Wreck in the Stand. No. We didn't do Wreck? No. We didn't do Wreck at all? No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Think back to when we did Quarantine and the Stand.